0: Bronny James is reportedly on the road to recovery, and his dad says he's going to play this year for USC. That and more injury and roster updates around the NCAA, all on today's Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a daily national college hoop show, part, of course, Of the Locked On Podcast. Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked College for $20 off your first purchase. Well, folks, we are continuing our conference preview series today, discussing the MAC, the MAAAC, the Metro Atlantic. Athletic Conference, whether Iona can run it back despite losing coach Rick Pitino. But first, we got a couple updates around the NCAA. We'll talk Bronny James. We'll talk about Donovan Klingen's injury at UConn, what that might mean. We'll also talk about Jose Perez's abrupt and sad departure from West Virginia, starting here with Bronny. LeBron James, speaking at Lakers Media Day, gave an update about his son, USC incoming freshman point guard Bronny James, says that he is recovering well and expects him to play this season. He did not in- indicate that Bronny had surgery, which was previously not known. He didn't give a lot of specifics on, on when he had the surgery and necessarily what the surgery was, but he did have a, a nice quote about basically his recovery. I'm just going to read it here. is from the LA Times and various other places that, that had access to LeBron at Media Day. He says, quote, Bronny's doing extremely well. He's begun his rehab process to get back on the floor this season with his teammates in USC, the successful surgery that he had, but he's on the up and up, definitely a whirlwind and a lot of emotions for our family this summer. But the best thing is we have each other. We're happy to see where he is today and we look forward to seeing what his future still has in store for him. A reminder for those of you who maybe missed this story Bronnie had, uh, was was doing a team workout with USC on July 24th when he suffered cardiac arrest, uh, was unconscious, collapsed on the floor, was rushed to the hospital, ended up getting released three days later and diagnosed with a treatable congenital heart defect, spent some time at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, one of the premier heart uh, doctor offices in the country. Uh, So very good to hear for Bronny himself, for USC, for, of course, LeBron and his family, for college basketball. I mean, this is just a happy story to hear that the worst was avoided. And, you know, USC had another player, Vince Owuchku, who last year – Uh, also suffered a cardiac arrest and ended up playing 14 games for USC. So the hope is that Bronny will be able to return as well. Again, no timeline has necessarily been revealed, whether that comes from USC, whether that comes from Bronny himself, whether it comes from LeBron in more media appearances, hard to say. But at this point, I think anything that USC gets out of Bronny this year would be a bonus, but there's really no... Obviously, his health is so much more important than when he gets on the basketball floor for USC. Uh, LeBron also had quotes basically saying, if you saw him right now, if you walked into a room, you wouldn't be able to tell, which is certainly good i wouldn't expect that you would necessarily be able to tell something like that and that isn't an an ironclad indication that you know going and playing 30 something minutes of basketball at a high level is is still going to be okay uh so but he's got the best doctors in the world clearly they're they're feeling pretty comfortable about where he's at right now usc of course added the number one point guard in the class of 2023 and isaiah collier they also have pac-12 Player of the year candidate Boogie Ellis coming back. He averaged just under 18 points per game last year. Uh, All that to say that USC has got a really good backcourt, whether Bronny James is there or not, but adding Bronny to that backcourt at any point this year is just going to make them that more dynamic, that much more versatile. I think USC is a team that has a very realistic chance of winning the PAC 12 this year, at least competing with Arizona and UCLA, not having Bronny hurts their depth a significant amount, but if Bronny comes back, if he's healthy, if he's able to contribute to this team, all the better. But of course, Concern, first and foremost, is with Bronny's health long-term, and hopefully uh, it's determined that he's able to play, because I'm personally very excited to see what he looks like in college at USC, and I know many of you are out there as well. Next up, Donovan Klingon, the kind of very popular breakout candidate for UConn this year, a a player many expect to be a potential All-American, a top 10, top 15 pick in the 2024 NBA draft. He has Suffered a foot strain. He suffered this during a practice last week with UConn. It sounds like he's going to be out about a month. Fortunately, the expectation for UConn is that he does not miss their season opener. Their first game is on November 6th against Northern Arizona. So they have a little over a month as we we record this right now on October 2nd. Uh, So sounds like there's pretty good optimism that Klingon's not going to miss any time. But this is something to monitor. Because Klingon is a really important piece for this UConn team. UConn lost to Dama last year. He he graduated. He he moved on. He's playing professionally. They lose Jordan Hawkins. They lose a handful of other key pieces from last year's roster. And a big part of why they're still expected to be a a title contender, why they are a preseason top 10 team by almost every media outlet, is because of Klingon. Not just him, they have Tristan Newton coming back. He's a real candidate for Pac- or Big East, excuse me, player of the year. Uh, they have Alex caraban back. They have some nice additions in the transfer portal and, and Cam Spencer. They have a great freshman coming in and Stephon Castle. Like, this is a good team. It's a good team without Donovan Klingon, but they are a great team with Donovan Klingon. Klingon averaged 6.9 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 1.8 blocks. That was in like 15 minutes per game. He was an incredibly productive player in a limited role last year. Obscenely productive. I don't know that he's going to jump up to 34 minutes per game. Probably not. Maybe not even 30. Honestly, coming into the season with a foot injury might make them even a little bit more uh, hesitant to play him a ton of minutes this season. But Donovan Klingon in 27 minutes per game is going to be elite. He is that capable of a player. He's seven foot two. He's agile. He's got long arms. He moves really well. Like, this is a really dynamic. Unique basketball player. Sincerely, foot injuries can be problematic. It sounds like, by all accounts, what they're describing this as, what they're the timeline they're giving, it doesn't sound like something that should be a big issue. But it is absolutely worth keeping an eye on because foot injuries can really linger, especially for big men. This would be a really tough blow if this injury were to uh, either keep Klingon out for more time than they're expecting or to even just linger with him throughout the season would be the kind of thing that might derail uh, what could be a really special season, not just for Klingon, but for all of UConn and all of stores, Connecticut, and in, in what they're hoping will be a, a really solid repeat of last year's national championship run. And then finally, last update here before we get into our conference preview of the MAC, Jose Perez's college career has abruptly come to an end. And it's been a sad story all around for Jose Perez. It sounds like he has been kicked off of West Virginia's program for an an academic situation is basically all that West Virginia said. Uh, It sounds like he is out of eligibility. He has been kicked off the team he is done playing college basketball. Now, Perez himself came out and kind of defended himself and stated what what happened on, you know, kind of said his side of the story and said it was an issue of him not attending study hall. I'm not going to get into all the specifics. I'm far from somebody who knows all of these specifics. I have a hard time imagining that specifically not attending study hall is the only reason that Jose Perez, a guy who averaged 19 points per game at Manhattan, a guy that West Virginia was very much counting on this season. That can't be it. There has to be a little bit more to the story. And Perez, he did not mince much words about interim head coach, Josh Ehler, who of course took over for Bob Huggins. He said, I went to bat for you. I helped, I met with recruits for you. I, you know, I, I advocated for you. I sold the program for you. And then I've been kicked to the curb. He said, like a dead animal. He said I'm 25 years old. I am going back into depression for not being able to play basketball. Like his, his quotes were powerful. And I, again, I don't know the whole story, but this is a really, regardless, this is a sad end to what has been a sad story for Jose Perez. There is no other way to look at it, whether this is, you know, a a more serious academic issue, whether there's more to the story here. It's a sad story. Because Perez was he averaged 18, again, 18.9 points per game at Manhattan and then transferred to West Virginia right before the 22 23 season after his coach, Steve Maciello, got fired right before the year began. He was upset about that. He transfers to West Virginia. The NCAA does not allow him to play right away, even though they typically grant waivers in situations of players leaving programs because of their coach getting fired. NCAA said, nope, did not let him play last year. He decided instead of going pro after the year to return to West Virginia and stick it out and play another season or play a season for the Mountaineers. He was kind of hoping to finally get on the floor for them. And then Bob Huggins gets fired and he enters the transfer portal along with many of his other teammates. Gonzaga was interested. Michigan was interested. Oregon was interested. After all that Perez did decide to return to West Virginia, which is part of the reason I think that he is feeling this anger towards coach Elert because he gave him a chance. He said, all right, I got it. I mean, he can point to it. Gonzaga, Michigan, Oregon, they were interested, you know, from what we heard, at least they were all programs that were willing to sign him. And if he feels like him returning to West Virginia and then them kicking him to the curb is what ended his college career, I get why he's pissed. That seems really frustrating. Again, there's probably more to this story, but what we know right now is a West Virginia team that has had a really up and down offseason. Some really nice additions in Kirk Creesa and Jesse Edwards, Raekwon Battle as well. Of course, the Bob Huggins fiasco that ended in his termination from the school. Now this Jose Perez situation, it's been a tough one for West Virginia. I'm sure they're quite happy that they got a month until the season begins, and then the story is just going to be about hoops, and you're going to have a lot less distractions around that program because. Man, it has been a rough one for the Mountaineers since the last season ended. Well, we're going to get into our next conference preview here, discussing the MAC and Iona who won 25-plus games in back-to-back seasons under Rick Patino? Now they got to go into next year with Tobin Anderson. How is that going to work for them? we got more on that after a word from today's sponsor, Game Time. Life is always so busy, and the last thing that I want to be stressed out about is buying tickets to events. Thankfully, I have Game Time, which has killer deals on last-minute tickets for every single event that I want to go to. And when choosing seats for events, I don't want to have to worry about picking the right ones, making sure there's a good view, making sure the sun's not in my eyes. And Game Time has images of views from your seat so that you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Forget having to plan months in advance. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and you can even get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, as well as concerts, comedy shows, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee also means you'll get the best price guaranteed. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONCollege for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. But again, you can create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCollege for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners. You all know who you are. We appreciate you checking out the show on your favorite podcast platform or checking out the show on YouTube. If you have not done so yet, go to YouTube.com, search Locked On College Basketball and hit that big red subscribe button. We very much appreciate it. We are here back with another conference preview. We've been doing these since early September, previewing every single conference in college basketball, talking storylines, talking coaching changes, talking our predicted winners, dark horse teams who could potentially win and closing out the show with some award predictions, who's player of the year, transfer newcomer of the year, coach of the year, all that good stuff. Today we are talking M-A-A-C, uh, very, very exciting conference here. Had a lot of fun stuff. St. Peter's is here. Iona is here, of course. Some fun teams to discuss. But the big storyline in the M.A.A.C., Iona loses Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino, of course, coached at Iona for the last three years. His return to college basketball after lo- after leaving Louisville despite with all of the allegations. Very tumultuous career for Rick Pitino. Now, after three years coaching the Gales, he heads back to the Big East. Big East is the Big East and Rick Pitino are made for each other. He started his career at Providence, of course, took that team to Final Fours, had some tremendous success with the Friars. I uh, was at Louisville for a very long time, uh, led them to that national championship in 2013, which has of course since been uh, taken away from them because of NCAA sanctions. Now he's back in the Big East at St. John's. We have talked a ton about what Patino means for St. John's, what it means for that program, what it means for that conference, but we haven't talked much about what it means for Iona. And that's the biggest storyline in the MAAC this upcoming season, because Iona replaced him with Tobin Anderson and Tobin Anderson only coach has only coached in division one basketball for one year, but it was last year at Fairleigh Dickinson and they did something that's only been done twice in college basketball history as a 16 seed upsetting Purdue in the first round that coupled with the fact that Anderson had a, a solid season for FDU, FDU, they went 21 and 16. And the fact that he was a very successful division two coach prior to getting hired at Fairleigh Dickinson is enough for Iona to say, Hey, we're going to take a swing here. We're going to bring this guy in. We're going to see if he's capable of turning this program around, but it's going to be some work. It's not going to be easy for Iona to do this. Iona to do this, not only because they lose a, a fantastic coach in Rick Pitino, but they lost a huge chunk of talent. Off of last year's roster, Dennis Jenkins, 16 points, five assists last year. He followed his coach, Rick Petino to St. John's. They also lose Walter Clayton, who averaged about 17 points per game last year. He went to Florida, considered one of the best transfer additions in all of college basketball. They also lose Nellie Joseph, who averaged 15 points and nine boards. For those counting at home, that's three players averaging 14.9 or more points per game. Leaving Iona, Nellie Joseph goes to New Mexico they also lose Quinn Slazinski. Slazinski only played, uh, I think, seven games last year for Iona, but across the last two seasons, he's averaged about nine points per game. That big man heads over to West Virginia. Beyond that, they also lose Cruz Davis and Sadiko Abinayo, who both go to St. John's, following Dennis Jenkins and Rick Patino. They also lose Anton Brookshire to Austin P and Silas Sunday to Hofstra. That's a whole bunch of players out the door for Iona. Huge story is how Tobin Anderson is able to to get this team pointed in a different direction if they can stay at the top of the conference despite a new coach and a bunch of new talent. Not the only coaching change in going on in the MAAC as well. They also have Quinnipiac. They replace Baker Dunleavy with Tom Picora. Dunleavy leaves after six solid seasons coaching the Bobcats. He went 86 and 93. Uh, not great, but he did go twenty and twelve last year. Probably had some opportunities to take some other head coaching jobs, but instead he heads back over to Villanova to take over as their general manager, a new role we're starting to see uh, crop up for these programs that are wanting somebody to come in and help manage NIL and manage various other aspects of the team. and And Dunleavy's going to take that job at his alma mater at Villanova. So Quinnipiac has to look for a new coach. They go hire Tom Picora, a guy who's been a head basketball coach for over 15 years. Uh, from 2001 to 2015, he was the head coach at the Division one level. Uh, from 2001 to 2010, he was the head coach at Hofstra, where he went 155 and 126. He then took over at Fordham in the A-10 for the last five years from 2010 to 2015. Did not have very much success in the A-10. Fordham's a tough program uh, to coach in that Atlantic 10 conference. He went 44-106. and 106. Uh, Then he was canned after that and then started at Quinnipiac as an assistant coach in 2017. And he has been there ever since. Now getting a chance to take over as a head coach once again in the MAC conference. Meanwhile, other storylines in the conference. A lot of solid talent out the door. We already talked about all the Iona players leaving. And that's a big storyline, of course, because Iona was the team that won the conference last year. But they are not the only key players from the MAAC who are leaving and out the door. Sixth man of the year last year, TJ Long. He leaves from Fairfield to go to Vermont. First teamer, Noah Thomason, goes from Niagara to Georgia. Second teamer Desi Jones goes from Quinnipiac to Austin P. Third teamer Supreme Cook, fantastic name. He heads from Fairfield to Georgetown. Third teamer Jalen Benjamin goes from Mount Saint Mary's to Santa Clara, and third teamer Javion McCollum goes from Siena to Oklahoma. Kind of a it's it's interesting to note some of these smaller conferences. As we've been doing this exercise, you see their first teamers, their second teamers transferring to a lot of other smaller conferences, low major conferences. Here in the MAAC, a lot of these guys are going Power Five. You got Oklahoma, Georgetown, Georgia is on here. Uh, of course, with the Iona guys, you had Florida and St. John's. You also had West Virginia. Like a lot of these guys heading up to the Power Six level, I think that's a good indication of the talent level in the MAAC. Although it is, of course, always sad for people who are, are fans of these teams, fans of these conferences, to see, uh, you know, three of their third teamers one of their second teamers or a couple of their first teamers leaving out the door via the transfer portal. But the good news is they got guys coming in. And a handful of guys coming in from that power six level. I'm always interested to follow how guys transferring. And and I've said this phrase on here a bunch of times, and I've always said that I don't like it, but it is the best way to describe it. The guys who transfer down uh, from the power six level to the mid-major levels and kind of see how they succeed. A few guys we'll be keeping an eye on in the MAAC next year. Alexis Yetna going from Seton Hall to Fairfield. We'll talk more about him. Joel Brown goes from Cal to Iona. Richie Springs goes from Yukon to Quinnipiac, and Isaiah Sulak goes from Tennessee to Maris. Couple guys to keep an eye on there. However, what I want to talk about now, if Iona has that much talent out the door, who might step up and win the Mac? Could Fairfield strong offseason lead them into the big dance? All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. Folks, I'll keep it simple with you. Bird Dogs, they make you look good. This Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit even better. They also fit way better than regular shorts, which are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked college or enter the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked college or promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. All right, folks, closing out the show today, continuing our conversation about the MAC conference. We talked about some of the key players out the door. We talked about the coaching change at Iona with Rick Pitino out the door at St. John's and Tobin Anderson coming in. Now, I want to take a look at who we think are the favorites and the dark horses to potentially win this conference's automatic bid this upcoming season. And I'm going to lead with Ryder. Ryder was 13-7 and seven in league play last year. They finished second behind Iona, 16-14 and 14 overall. And among all the other teams in the conference, they, they didn't seem to lose as much talent. There's a few other talent teams that kept a, a key amount of their core players together, but Ryder really kind of stood out to me. Dwight Murray is a big loss for them. He averaged 15.7 points and five boards last year. They lost a, a couple other kind of key depth options, but by and large, they kept their core together. Mervyn James is back. He averaged 13-7. and seven last year. Alan Powell's back 10 and a half points and two assists last year. Tariq Ingram's back 6.4 points and 3.5 boards kind of back in the front court for them. And then they added some key players that I think are going to help with their biggest issue last year, which was outside shooting. This Ryder team really struggled to to space the floor, didn't give their guards a lot of room to operate. And now they add in the, the Weeks brothers. TJ Weeks comes over from UMass. He averaged 8.8 points and 3.7 boards last year. That's a grad transfer coming over from a solid program in UMass, a guy who was productive in the A-10. That's a really, really nice addition. And you add his brother Tyreek Weeks as well. He comes from Miami-Dade Community College, a little bit less – certain what he's going to bring, but he shot the lights out over there. TJ Weeks, also a strong shooter as well. So two guys coming in, familiar with playing with each other, of course, should assimilate to the system well. Both can stretch the floor a little bit. That should help help significantly with what Ryder's biggest issues were last year. They also had JT Langston from a junior college in the LA area as well. So for me, the Bronx are my favorite at this point. I'm not going to rule out Iona entirely. I think that this it's really hard to lose eight key players from your roster. It's really hard to go from a Hall of Fame coach to a coach who's in his second year coaching at the Division I level, but this is still a talented team. They still added some key pieces in the portal, and I think they're still going to be in the mix as well. But for me, my dark horse team, and maybe this isn't a great dark horse, but I figure they finished seventh last year. So if I'm picking a team to go from seventh to first, that feels like enough of a jump to consider them a dark horse. And that's Fairfield. Fairfield went 13 and 18 last year overall, they went nine and 11 in the MAC. They also lost a couple of key players. T.J. Long transferred to Vermont. Like we said, he was the sixth man of the year in the conference last year. Supreme Court, Supreme Cook, excuse me, that's (laughs) Supreme Court is probably something he gets called on accident every once in a while. Uh, Third teamer in the conference last year. He's the one who transferred up to Georgetown to join Ed Cooley's squad. They also lose Alan Gian Rose, who averaged 10 points and four boards last year. So that's a lot of talent out the door. For Fairfield, but they keep Caleb Fields, their starting point guard. He averaged 11.7 points, two and a half assists last year. He's a grad student, uh, a very experienced guy. You always love having veteran guards. We talk about that a whole bunch here on Locked On College Basketball. So they got Caleb Fields coming back. Beyond that. They had a really solid portal class coming in. Two really key additions that I think are going to make a big difference in how these guys perform is going to determine whether Fairfield can truly jump from seventh in the MAC all the way up to first. The first one is Alexis Yetna. Alexis Yetna averaged eight points and seven and a half rebounds last year at Seton Hall. You can grab seven boards a game in the Big East, and now you're coming down to the MAC? That's exciting. It's exciting to see what he's capable of doing. He's a fifth year forward. He's six foot eight. Uh, He's got a lot of ability that I don't think you see from very many players in this conference. He's got a lot of college basketball experience. To me, I think Yetna is a guy who, who realistically will compete for all conference first team who might win defensive player of the year, who might win player of the year. He's legitimately in the conversation for all those things. And if he is that guy for this team, it's going to be hard for Fairfield to not jump from seventh to third or second. And, and at that point, it's a game or two away, and you could be in first place. Or even if you finish second or third, all it takes is a few good games in the tournament, and bam, you find yourself in the big dance uh, out of Fairfield. They also had Burma, Burima Sec coming over from New Mexico. Uh, 46 games he played for New Mexico. He only averaged just under a point per game, 1.8 rebounds. But he's 6'11". This is a big, big dude. Again, two rebounds per game in a limited role in New Mexico in the Mountain West, a pretty physical conference. There's some intrigue here. There are not a lot of seven-footers in the MAC, And a guy who has... Not quite Power Six experience, but Mountain West experience—a very, very solid, difficult conference to play in, game in and game out. I think you gotta expect that there's some optimism here. He's a junior, so he's got two more years of eligibility. I think if he can become an enforcer around the rim, if he can become a low post scorer, a high level rebounder, if Yetna can come in and legitimately play like Player of the Year, that's enough for me to feel pretty optimistic about Riders—or excuse me, yeah, about Fairfield's chances—excuse me, uh, of potentially moving from seventh all the way to first. Uh, They'll be competing with Ryder. They'll be competing with Iona. And and what I want to do now is talk about some tiers for this conference because I had kind of a hard time breaking them up. But tier one, I have Ryder and Fairfield. I also have Iona. And then the fourth team I snuck in there is Siena. I think they're a a team that could potentially win the conference as well. Those are the four teams that I think have the best chance of winning the regular season and, and earning that automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Tier two is Canisius Quinnipiac and Mount St. Mary's. I kind of have all those teams lumped together as kind of dark horses slash teams that that maybe could make a push, but are probably going to finish more in the middle. And then tier three, the final tier is the four teams that I expect to be towards the bottom of the standings this year. Marist, Niagara, St. Peter's, the NCAA tournament darling from a few years ago. She ain't always not there anymore, and they haven't seen a lot of success since then. And then Manhattan closing it out. Speaking of closing it out, let's finish up the show today talking about our awards. we got three award predictions to make here. Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Player of the Year, let's start there. I'm going to go with Taj Staveski, a guy I haven't mentioned yet, a team that I haven't really talked about much yet uh, in Canisius, but – Stavisky is a guy who averaged 12.5 points, three boards, and just under three assists last year. That was his redshirt freshman. He did not play his freshman year because of injury, so last year was his first season, and he goes out and averages 12.5 points. I think that anybody who can put up that level of production as a freshman, you kind of got to expect there's a real chance that they show that breakout talent in year two. Canisius had a ton of players stick around. I think eight rotation players are back. So he's familiar with his teammates. They're familiar with his game. I think he has a real chance to break out. My honorable mention here is Mervin James at Ryder. He averaged like 12 and seven last year for Ryder. I have Ryder as my favorite to win it all. I think there's a real chance that with more floor spacing with the Weeks brothers coming in, I think that gives James more room to operate down low and him putting up something like, 16 and eight wouldn't surprise me at all. And that might be enough for him to win, especially if Ryder ends up winning the regular season trophy. Newcomer of the year, I kind of teased this already. I'm going with Alexis Yetna at Fairfield. If I think he's got a real chance of being a first teamer, if I think he's got a real chance of winning player of the year, then it's hard for me to ignore him as the newcomer of the year. Again, eight and seven out of the Big East. That's just a tremendous type of talent to be able to add in the MAC conference. He helps kind of fill the void of some of the guys that they lost in the transfer portal. And I think this is going to be a really, really solid addition for Fairfield and a player that I'm excited to see how he performs this year in the Mac conference. And then coach of the year, closing out the show. I'm going with Jay Young at Fairfield. He hasn't had a ton of success yet. He's 50 and 73 in his first four seasons. But again, there's some expectation that Fairfield could really take the leap this year. Again, they have, uh, they kept Caleb Fields, their starting point guard. Uh, They're bringing in the, the, the two, um, they're bringing in Yetna, excuse me, coming over from uh, Seton Hall. Uh, Sec, the big man from New Mexico. I think if those if those guys can help lead Fairfield to a, a second-place finish, even third-place finish might be enough for him to win Coach of the Year. If they finish first, he's almost guaranteed to get it. But if they go from seventh to second, you know, I think there's a chance that Young takes the award here from Ryder's coach, even if Ryder goes from second to first. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But Fairfield is the team that I expect to take the biggest jump from last year to this year. And that tends to be how coach of the year award is given out. So to me, give me Jay Young, taken home coach of the year in the MAC. That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. We got more conference previews coming up. We got more updates going on around college basketball. Transfer portal changes might be coming from the NCAA Council. We got all sorts of good stuff, some recruiting stuff as well. So stick with us. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. Thanks for hitting that subscribe button on YouTube. Go do so if you have not done so yet. And once again, thank you for listening. And until next time. Peace out.